Hello there, and welcome to episode 5 and the halfway point of this series of What You May Have Miffed. My goodness, time is passing us by at one hell of a rate of knots, isn't it? So far, we have been to Sweden, Scotland, South America and Spain, so it stands to reason that we should be sailing towards Singapore, Senegal, Samoa, Slovenia, Slovakia, Switzerland, Somalia, Serbia, Seychelles, Sudan, Suriname, Syria or another country beginning with S. Well, prepare yourself, because this week we are heading to... Nigeria? This week we are in Nigeria on the African continent for our usual episode of a few folktales from this incredible and magical land. And this time I'm giving you three stories from here. Don't say I don't spoil you. But before we get started, remember that if you have any questions then you can either email me at themythspodcast at gmail.com or fire a comment on any of the videos on TikTok, where you can also find a multitude of videos regarding anything and everything from mythology, as well as the odd history video too. And next week, there will be an exciting announcement, well, at least I hope it will be exciting, about what you can expect after this series has come to an end, and at the same time making sure that you have more what-you-may-have-mythed content in your life. Right, that's enough information from me. Let's sink our teeth into this shorter, yet no less entertaining episode from Nigeria. Why the Hawk Kills Chickens A long time ago, there was a very fine young hen who lived with her parents in the bush. One day, a hawk was hovering round about eleven o'clock in the morning, as was his custom, before the sun was at its peak making large circles in the air and barely flapping his wings. His keen eyes were wide open, taking in everything, for nothing moving ever escapes the eyes of a hawk, no matter how small it may be or how high up in the air the hawk may be circling. This hawk saw the pretty hen picking up some corn near her father's house. He therefore angled his wings slightly and dived. In less than a blink he was close to the ground, then spreading his wings out to break his descent, he landed close to the hen and perched himself on the fence, as hawks do not like to walk on the ground if they can help it. He then greeted the young hen with his most enticing and alluring whistle and offered to marry her. Yep, you heard that right. Ask to marry her right off the cuff. And you'll never guess what. She agreed! Birds are weird. So the hawk spoke to her parents and paid the agreed amount of dowry, which consisted mostly of corn, and the next day took the young hen off to his home. Shortly after this, a young cockerel who lived near the hen's former home found out where she was living, and having been in love with her for some months, in fact most of his life, he vowed to try and make her return to her own country. He therefore went at dawn and, having flapped his wings once or twice, crowed in his finest and most majestic voice to the young hen. 
When she heard the sweet voice of the cockerel she could not resist his invitation, so she went out to him, and they walked off together to her parents' house, the young cock strutting in front, crowing as he went. The hawk, who was at that time hovering high up in the sky, quite out of sight of any ordinary eye, saw what had happened and was very angry. He made up his mind at once and went to obtain justice from the king and flew off to Calabar. The king listened to the whole story and the hawk's request for an immediate solution was granted. So the king sent for the parents of the hen and told them they must repay to the hawk the amount of dowry they had received from him on the marriage of their daughter, according to the custom. But the hen's parents said that they were so poor that they could not possibly afford to pay. So the king told the hawk that he could kill and eat any of the cockerel's children whenever and wherever he found them as payment of his dowry. And if the cock made any complaint, the king would not listen to him. And from that time until now, whenever a hawk sees a chicken, he swoops down and carries it off in part payment of his dowry. Why the Sun and the Moon Live in the Sky Many years ago, the sun and water were great friends, and both lived on the earth together. The sun very often used to visit the water, yet the water never returned his visits. At last, the sun asked the water why it was that he never came to see him in his house. The water replied that the sun's house was not big enough, and that if he came with all his people, he would end up driving the sun out. He then said, If you wish me to visit you, you must build a very large compound. But I warn you that it will have to be a tremendous place, as my people are very numerous and take up a lot of room. The sun promised to build a very big compound, and soon afterwards he returned home to his wife, the moon, who greeted him with a broad smile when he opened the door. The sun told the moon what he had promised the water, and the next day commenced building a huge compound in which to entertain his friend. When it was completed, he asked the water to come and visit him the next day. When the water arrived, he called out to the sun and asked him whether it would be safe for him to enter, and the sun answered, Yes, of course, come in, my friend. The water then began to flow in, accompanied by the fish and all the other water animals. Very soon the water was knee-deep, so he asked the sun if it was still safe, and the sun again said, Yes, so more water came in. When the water was level with the top of a man's head, the water said to the sun, Do you want more of my people to come? And the sun and moon both answered, Yes, not knowing any better. So the water flowed on until the sun and moon had to perch themselves on the top of the roof. Again the water addressed the sun, but receiving the same answer and more of his people rushing in, the water very soon overflowed the top of the roof, and the sun and moon were forced to go up into the sky where they have remained ever since. Why the worms are blind and why the elephant has small eyes When Ambo was king of Calabar, the elephant was not only a very big animal, but he had eyes in proportion to his immense bulk. In those days men and animals were friends and all mixed together quite freely. At regular intervals King Ambo used to give a feast and the elephant used to eat more than anyone although the hippopotamus used to try his best to beat him. However, not being as big as the elephant, although he was rather rotund, he was left a long way behind. As the elephant ate so much at these feasts, the tortoise, who was small but very cunning, 
made up his mind to put a stop to the elephant eating more than a fair share of the food provided. He therefore placed some dry kernels and shrimps, of which the elephant was very partial, into his bag and went to the elephant's house to make an afternoon call. When the tortoise arrived, the elephant invited him to sit down, so he made himself comfortable and, having shut one eye, took one palm kernel and a shrimp out of his bag and commenced to eat them with much relish. When the elephant saw the tortoise eating, he said, as he was always hungry himself, You seem to have some good food there. What are you eating? Oh, it's very sweet and succulent. However, it's quite painful. You see, I'm eating one of my own eyeballs. Charming. The tortoise then lifted up his head, showing one eye closed. The elephant replied, If the food is so good, take out one of my eyes and give me the same food. The tortoise, who was waiting for this, knowing how greedy the elephant was, had brought a sharp knife with him for that very purpose, and said to the elephant, I cannot reach your eye, as you are so big. The elephant then took the tortoise up in his trunk and lifted him. As soon as he came near the elephant's eye, with one quick scoop of the sharp knife he had the elephant's right eye out. The elephant trumpeted with pain, but the tortoise gave him some of the dried kernels and shrimps, and they so pleased the elephant's palate that he soon forgot the pain. Very soon the elephant said, That food is so delicious I must have some more. But the tortoise told him that before he could have any, the other eye must come out. The elephant couldn't care less, and so the tortoise quickly got out his knife to work, and very soon the elephant's left eye was on the ground, thus leaving the elephant quite blind. The tortoise then slid down the elephant's trunk onto the ground and hid himself. The elephant then began to make a great noise and started pulling trees down and doing much damage, calling out for the tortoise. But of course he never answered, and the elephant could not find him. The next morning, when the elephant heard the people passing, he asked them what the time was, and the bushbuck, who was nearest, shouted out, The sun is up, and I'm off to market to get some yarns and fresh leaves for me breakfast. Then the elephant realised that the tortoise had deceived him, and began to ask all the passers-by to lend him a pair of eyes, as he could not see. But every one refused, as they wanted and needed their eyes themselves. At last, the worm grovelled past, and seeing the big elephant, greeted him in his humble way. He was very much surprised when the king of the forest returned his greeting, and very much flattered as well. The elephant said, Look here, little worm, I have mislaid my eyes. Will you lend me yours for a few days? I will return them next market day. The worm was so flattered at being noticed by the elephant that he gladly consented and took out his own eyes which, as everyone knows, were very small, and gave them to the elephant. When the elephant had put the worm's eyes into his own large eye sockets, the flesh immediately closed round them so tightly that when the market day arrived, it was impossible for the elephant to get them out again to return to the worm. And although the worm repeatedly made requests to the elephant to return his eyes, the elephant always pretended not to hear, and sometimes used to say in a very loud voice, if there are any worms about, they had better get out of my way, as they are so small I cannot see them, and if I tread on them they will be squashed into a nasty mess. Ever since then, the worms have been blind, and for the same reason, 
elephants have such small eyes quite out of proportion to the size of their huge bodies. And with that we are halfway through the series. Short and sweet this week, but I do love these tales from Africa. They put me in mind of stories I would read as a child and tales that Rudyard Kipling would tell. What did you make of them? This series seems to be a series of returning to places we have been before, as next week we are travelling a long way east to somewhere we journeyed last series. But remember that you can always email questions in the meantime to themythspodcast at gmail.com and fire them in the comments on the videos on TikTok. And next week there will be that exciting announcement, so keep a lookout for that. For now, farewell, and I shall see you next week for episode 6 of What You May Have Missed.